Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is Paul Gilliari. Paul, we are in the thick of it. We're in October baseball season. How are you feeling? I'm feeling nervous. As a Giants fan, I am pretty positive that we can tick off at least 10 years off my life just over the past week. Pretty positive. I've developed an ulcer. Um, <laughs> the list goes on. List All right. Goes well, on. we uh, we're recording this Monday evening, so uh, we're in the middle of Game Three, and we'll do our Don't best to get Paul out of here. Yeah, exactly. So I won't tell us. Not going to spoil. No, it's still nil nil as far as we know. To yeah. borrow a soccer phrase. All right. Uh, before we get into it, um, please get on your social media accounts: uh, Twitter, Instagram. What else we on? Facebook. The algorithm. That thing. Go ahead, rate, review, subscribe. We would appreciate it. And we look forward to talking to you on there and digitally. And by that, I mean, of course, with your fingers typing. Um, Top five deep cuts from the last era that we have. And that is a pretty big swath of albums. It's No Code Through Riot Act. Spans a couple of different styles of Pearl Jam. Maybe a few different styles of Pearl Jam, one would say. This is a hard one. It's obviously all arbitrary. It's all subjective. But we're here to have a fun, a fun good time. So rather than badgering on too long, we're going to get right into the heat of the meat here and do our top five D cuts from No Code through Riot Act. Uh, the only rules here, of course, are that the song can't be a single. So that rules out who you are. Hail, hail, off he goes. Given to fly, wish list, nothing as it seems. Light Years, I Am Mine, Bush Ligger, Save You, and Love Boat Captain. Now, there are other songs out there that, of course, would not be considered deep cuts. Uh, but, you know, at your own discretion. Is Do the Evolution a deep cut? Probably not, but it's not a single. Your choice. So yeah. I'll be listening at home, playing along. Those are the rules. Here we go. Paul, give me your number five deep cut from that era. Uh, I was really tempted to go with Around the Bend here. I, but- I thought that you might. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I'm inclined to still do so, but I've just talked about that song so much. We've covered it quite a bit on this podcast. I feel like we, we should explore, I don't want to call it new territory, but I, I'm cool with expanding the horizons a bit more for okay. the sake of conversation. Stick it in the honorable uh, mentions. Yeah, exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick it in the honorable mentions, and I'm going to go with Smile for this one. Ooh, lovely. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I love the fact that we got a live cut on a single mm. of this song. And what has always fascinated me about the song is you're, you're listening to a Pearl Jam record and you hear the sound of a harmonica swell into this groovy, crunchy guitar. And in your head, you're thinking, what am I listening to? <laughs> At least that's... That's what I was thinking back in 96 or was that what was 95, 96? Yeah, 96. So I I remember listening to that thinking to myself, this is really interesting. And I liked it. The guitar came in and it's a perfect complement to that sound. And we just caught Pearl Jam at Ohana. And when Eddie busts the the harmonica out, 
it's epic and, and you get some instrument trade-offs. It's just one of those songs that to me showed the diversity of what Pearl Jam was capable of in ways that expanded beyond the eclectic presentation of those percussive based songs like Who You Are and In My Tree. And it did so in a way that was that was still pretty rock heavy. You know what I mean? It wasn't something that Around the Bend or Off He Goes does. Um, I just feel like it, it, it. this song and Red Mosquito to me are two tracks that continue to age very, very well. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm finding a joy in the continual rediscovering of these songs. Well, I, I happen to agree with you because I've chosen Red Mosquito as my number five choice. Outstanding. <clears throat> what a segue. Yeah, I think the um, much the same way of Smile, I think the dynamics in the song are amazing. You got that waltz time signature. You got acoustic guitars mixed with electric guitars. They swap in and out throughout. Uh, of course, you know, Mike's fuzzed out slide guitar bringing us through. Yeah. You know, the outro is one of my favorite moments in Pearl Jam from the lyrics to the whole vibe. It, like it's Like it's descending from on high back down to street level or something like that you know and i think it's one of the one of the non-tribal beat songs jack has played on where he really swings us through each section wonderfully mm-hmm. uh i mean you, you could probably make that case for a number of songs this one stood out to me and we've been talking about red mosquito recently uh as something that's very underrated and i i would be bemused not to include it on my five so Red Mosquito, and we saw it. We saw it. Uh, did, did we see it or did I see it in, in Ohana? I did not catch that one. So it must have been the first weekend. My apologies. Yeah, I caught so, Smile. <clears throat> right. The um, But they did play, I believe, night one, which was the Sunday on the 26th of September. And I was delighted. Absolutely delighted to hear. Oh, that was when Danny Clinch played harmonica. That's right. Never mind. There you go. So um, I think Red Mosquito is a highly underrated song. We don't hear it nearly enough. Only played 90 times in total. And uh, there you go. Number five for me is Red Mosquito. What say you at number four? We're going to move the yield here for me. Okay. And uh, I'm going to go with Low Light. Oh, lovely. Uh, I think uh, it continues to be my favorite song on the record. Really? Uh, Yeah. It it was one of my favorite songs on the record when I first heard it. Um, Jeff is, I believe, on record is saying uh, that that Pilot was a question to him. Mm -hmm. and, And he felt like Low Light was the answer. Right. And, and, and I've always been fascinated with this song. Uh, this is the type of song. I mean, we'll do a deep dive on this this track mm-hmm. one day, you know. But for now, I, I don't want to mine that territory with with too much vigor. But I will say that it's one of Jeff's finest achievements, and I, I think it, it showcased what he was capable of in a way that that's beautiful and perfect. In a lot of ways, when I hear this song, I think of the album cover. I really do. Uh, mm. I think it encapsulates the album in ways that none of the other songs do. And there's just something so poetic and introspective about this this particular track. I find that um, this this desire to need light and and to find your way away from from something that you know is wrong. Um, it's it's provocative in ways that not all of Jeff's tracks have proven to be for me as a listener and in no way is that an indictment or, or do I mean this in, in some type of diminutive way you know what I mean I, I'm not trying to, to criticize Jeff's songwriting it's just that this song 
has always been to me one of his crowning achievements. I, I think uh, the, the chord progressions and the time signature is beautiful. Uh, I find the, the layering to be really, really, um, what's the right word here? The layering to me of the instrumentation feels very balanced in a way where everything just seems to sit in a similar place. Nothing stands out in ways that say uh, that opening guitar of No Way Do or the, the, the growling vocal effect that you have on, on Do The Evolution. This song is just beautifully composed and everything is allowed to breathe so that with headphones on, especially, the mm. song really, really shines. So Vocaling layers are, are uh -huh. clutch in that song, for Absolutely. sure, for sure. Uh, I was toiling with that song and it may show up later, it may not, but uh, I, I really love uh, your choice there, number four, with Low Light. And we did hear it open up... Uh, it opened up one of the shows and then I can't remember which one, but uh, it was it night great. four. No, oh, uh, was, three, three. It's night three. It was the night yes. that it was right before I joined you the next Correct, night. correct. Uh, my number four choice is Breaker Fall. By the way, um, what a beautiful way to open a show, low light. Such an great, underrated open. Yeah. yeah. Breaker Fall, that's a winner. Well, well done, sir. Yes. Uh, only played 88 times. Nuts. Nuts. Uh, I always thought this one felt like you're barreling down a mountain. And I love how this opens up the album. You know, it's not its not a new, unique story per se, but it is, a, for me, a rather unique angle, at least for the band to, to tell this story. And it's quick, it's to the point, musically, of course, which totally lines up with how synced and direct the lyrics are. Uh, I, I like that, you know, I don't i don't consider it dad punk per se, but it finds, it, it handles the best qualities of good punk by being concise and to the point and using all the real estate that you're having even within two two and a half minutes the whole ending you know they kind of it kind of breaks down a little bit and the whole ending kind of resumes that falling down a mountain vibe which i really love i love jeff's bass line kind of it starts high up on the neck i love that uh for me that's everything here and between him and stone and mike kind of wildly flying by that bass line it's just terrific and i think um you know, short, punchy, like I said, non-dad punk for me. In my opinion, this is a song that's very unique to the catalog, and I think that it's highly underrated, and I, and I, I can't remember if I, I think I've heard it once, but like, let's hear it again. I love it. Very cool. What do you got at three? Uh, we're moving on to Binaural here, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm going to go with, uh, not only is it underrated and deep to me, uh, much like with low light this is probably arguably my favorite guess? song on this album as well go ahead of the girl uh no actually Ooh. uh not because i don't find that to be an underrated deep cut but i i feel like that song actually gets a bit more fanfare than the one ah, I'm about to drop. okay okay i was tempted to go rival here actually because that, that's Ooh. a song that I've, I've enjoyed more and more but i i can't i cannot ignore sleight of hand here you uh, fucking would <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on, on. Well, like a line like clip on world it's just that first of all the, line. The, the, i find the songwriting to be very um ambitious i found the track to be uh, pearl jam at its finest at a time where they were really exploring what it means to venture well outside the the, the well-beaten path mm -hmm. And, and it, it's songs like this 
that have allowed me to appreciate and love a song like Dance of the Clairvoyance upon first listen. This is the, the, the Pearl Jam that I'm not saying I want every Pearl Jam song to sound like Dance of the Clairvoyance or Slide Ahead, but when they do songs like these, because I know they come in, in small doses, there's just something so uh, adventurous in spirit, but, but also bold in composition about songs like this. I, I think that the songwriting from a lyrical standpoint is, um, it has the spoken word quality to it, but at the same time, the song seems to kind of dance in and out of these, you know, ephemeral swells. And, and there, there's these just, it's just this really beautiful trippy song to me. And, and the song creates atmosphere in a way that no other track on this album does. And I could argue that very few songs before Binaural, this album came out, very few songs ever did in a way that Sleight of Hand does. Do you and think the, uh, the next iteration of that as far as atmosphere being created is retrograde? Uh, potentially, I feel like retrograde is grounded in more conventional songwriting and chord progression. I feel like Sleight of Hand is very much a um, it, it's it's a trip down prog rock lane to me mm. for them. It, it's very progressive, and, and I appreciate when they take chances. I always have, whether it's spoken word, you know, push me, pull me, I'm open. Sometimes these songs alienate me at first, or at least they did when I was younger. But now that I'm older, I'm starting to to, to really crave those moments. The, 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 those are some of the moments in a Pearl Jam catalog that i enjoy the most i think well i uh, think as the, the more we hear them live the more we listen to the albums in our car in our, in our headphones whatever you you accrue a number of listens for certain songs like your even flow better man's you're like okay I, I love these songs but let me dive back into the deeper parts of these albums and find songs i've listened to maybe half as much and go oh shit you know i never noticed that part in the interlude of i'm open that's really really cool wow yeah and with this song, there's there's this midlife crisis element to it. And, and you have a, a speaker who is very much struggling to find meaning and purpose and just feels lost. And the music does such an amazing job of taking you somewhere you've never been before. And at least not listening to Pearl Jam. And, and I find that they complement each other so beautifully. And when that comes together, I just can't help but appreciate it. So to me, it's it's a highly underrated deep cut. And it's, it's a deep cut too. And I'll tell it's, you because to me, they do not nail it playing live. I think they, they strip it of everything that makes the song what it is. They take away the very fabric and essence of the song and they strip it down to just the pure notes. And when you, when you, when you take those effects away from the song, you lose the atmosphere that to me makes it so profound so it's a, it's a reverse quick escape for you where very you much so. quick escape sounds fine in the studio with all the production and all the atmosphere that, that, but, I don't that want, they, I don't. but you want it the reverse it's more yeah. of a straight up hit rocks okay gotcha exactly gotcha 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 uh i'm gonna go at number three i don't know how deep this is but when i was looking back at the uh, number of times that this thing was played it seems pretty deep to me i'm gonna go with faithful yeah. um I have always, always loved this song and, and how it builds to this middle slash peak uh, and then comes down the other side of the mountain. I keep saying mountain. I don't know why. Um, the, the pretty parts are really light and airy. The dirty parts get really crunchy, bordering on aggressive. And especially that bridge with that extra guitar to thicken things up. I love that. 
And these these are some of my favorite simple Pearl Jam riffs. And then there's that cool little bendy riff thing that gets us back into the singing portion. Love that. Um, it's it's like being kind of lassoed back into the song structure after you were allowed to kind of run free across the musical planes. It's it's really really cool. And I think this song's message really spoke to me at the right time too in my like you know spiritual journey, I guess as you would say, as a teenager. I was 16, and I I think I thought to myself that I was over organized religion. You know, I, I kind of grew up a Catholic, and and I, I did the whole altar boy thing. Uh, no incidences, and uh, I actually enjoyed it when I was a kid, 10 years old or so. And uh, then I kind of got bored of that whole idea, and I didn't really know if I believed in anything or, or not. But but this song helped me to see that it does matter as, as long as you or I believe in people, especially those close to me, then it's going to be all right. So there's a lot of solace taken in this song beyond the fact that I think musically it was different uh, and just kind of a cool, unique way to rock out so i've always really loved this song and i don't think many necessarily agree with me but i think it's definitely deep in the uh, in the cuts no argument for me on that one my man good because i was ready to fight well okay at first i was thinking isn't that i mean you know it's not a single but to me it was one of the more popular songs you think so I think so. It seems to, to generate quite a fan response. Maybe at, at the time, I don't. I don't recall um, them playing very much at all. I mean, you sure, got, you know, do the evolution. Times played. All right, I'll give it to you. Twenty-three years, tw- ninety-eight times. Good lord! No, I'll give it to you. Okay, fine. Thank God. All right, number two. <laughs> all right, let's move on to Riot Act here. Uh, I'm going to go Ghost. I nice. think, and, and we actually had this as a, a, a lyric of the week recently, not not too long ago. So we we pretty much. Did a thorough deep dive, I think, in, into mm-hmm. a good portion of this song at the time. So I'm not going to go go too deep, but there, there's something about the commentary on complacency that I think makes this song stand out. And I've always loved the guitar riff. I think that the opening riff and the verse, they're just really, really strong. It, it's one of those songs to me that um, it's what I wish Habit was. Mm. You know, I, I just, it, it's that type of that dirty, muddy garage rock where they really nail it for me in a track like this. And I feel like a song like Habit was 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 a precursor to what would ultimately be the sound that we saw with Ghost. And uh, and I think Matt is the, the right drummer for this setting. And uh, it, it's just a strong composition to me. I think it's an underrated deep cut. It's a song I look forward to whenever this album finds itself spinning for me. And uh, I wish they played it more often. Um, I, I, I think it, it, it really hits live. It cuts. Well, as, as like, I like it cuts. It. Exactly. It cuts. Played 21 times in total. The last of it, July 10th of 2018. They actually kind of had a resurgence. Uh, 2014, July. October 2014. November 2015. April 2016. July 2018. And, and, dude, but before Mike's, that, not until... Mike, I mean, there's Mike's a while. up in this song, too. His solo is fantastic. It is. It really is. Uh, it's a good choice. I like that one. I'm going to stick with Riot Act for my number two. You might say that you don't think this is a deep cut. Well, 71 times played total isn't a whole hell of a lot for uh, 19 years. It's you are for me. Mm. Um, I thought I'd be more like 150 times. So I was like, when I looked at it, I was like, you are, is that considered a deep cut? I don't know. But kind of, you know, at the same time, 
all of Riot Act is kind of a deep cut because I don't really play it. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna live with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is a win. You know, something that kind of blew my mind in the wrong way when I first heard it, and then because I didn't I didn't know how to take it, and musically this is a departure from what we have heard. Um, but man, the more I listen to it, the more I recognize the layers, the songwriting, the thickness of the guitars. It's a pretty heavy song. It's actually an open C tuning. It's 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 low down there. Um, I mean, if you're thinking about songs that are an open C, uh, or I should say C tuning, um, think about the thing that should not be by Metallica. Mm. Obviously, the gain isn't the same, but like that's a deep song. Um, the vocal layers are amazing, and the lyrics are simple, but they're yet really lovely metaphors uh, for how simple a romantic relationship can be or should be. And I think even the electric piano or the keyboard, whatever the hell it is, kind of floating to the forefront every now and again, is such a cool little Easter egg that I didn't notice for the longest time. But of course, the main star of this show is how Matt created the main riff. Yeah. To, to, to be so inventive, to bust out a your drum drum machine. Yeah. yeah. The Korg ER1, rhythm, rhythm uh, synth as it's called. Uh, only he would come up with something so wacky. And it still blows our mind at what a cool riff it is and how it literally plays with you. You have to basically tempo in when it's coming through the machine. And so you get that stuttering staccato effect. And I, I was so kind of re-listening to the song again for this exercise. I reminded myself how much I love the song and the riff. And so I actually went on YouTube and, and watch some videos and how you play it. And actually the uh, <laughs> guitarist from Legal Jam uh, does a lovely series called Let's Play All where he teaches people how to play guitar. And I'm sure many of you know this. And uh, he does a great uh, tutorial on how to use that machine to get the sound. And it's like, I gotta get my guitar out. <laughs> like dust it yeah. off and get that out. It's just a, it's a cool, unique way to write a song about love and God bless Matt. And this is like, what, the third Matt Cameron song we've got here? It is. <laughs> I mean, with Notice, the I mean, Jeff and Matt are making a lot of appearances on this yes, list. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. All right. Number one, what have you got? Uh, it's the same track, man. You are. It's, oh, cool. I, I'm, I'm on record more than once as saying it's my favorite song on the album. And uh, it, it was my favorite song on the album when I first heard it. It was, it, again, I like it when they go outside their comfort zone. I like the ambition. I like the experimental, progressive approach to this track. Uh, when they expand those musical horizons, I think it brings out the best in them. I think Matt is, uh, as is Jeff, as we saw with Dance of the Clear Voice, there's something about these two members of the band where they serve as the perfect conduits to helping the rest of the band find new um, boundaries for how far they can stretch their musical sound. And very rarely do I find that they venture to a place where that, that it makes me cringe. And I think, guys, you, 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 that's that's not where you want to go. That's not your space. That's not your sound. You don't belong there. It, let, let's let's come back. I don't um, know. Matt wrote Evacuation, so. <laughs> not one of my favorite songs. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You are. It's, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful love song. It really is. And, and it, it thrives as a rock song at the same time. And it's just, a, it's it's a cool groove. It really is. It's I don't know how cool you don't groove. put that song on and just drum to it on your steering wheel and bob your head. It, it's it's just a really great, great song. It's a highly underrated deep cut. Oh. You, know, 
Did I just say that? I did. Because this song personifies what this entire segment is about. <laughs> this song is the ultimate um, stone chicken head, head bob move song. You know how he does yeah. that thing with his, <laughs> with his head he's really grooving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys know what I'm talking yeah. about. All right. For me, number one, only played 91 times in 23 years in hiding. Okay. Now, admittedly, I was going to mm. say that that was a single. It wasn't Pearl. Eddie's on record as saying he it, wishes it was. It, I wish it was. Yeah, it, it should. Have, I don't know why it wasn't. And that's the perfect example as to why it really is for me the best deep cut. And it, here's the thing: if there's any song in the middle third of the band's career that feels as epic and 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 built in such a way that could have lived on ten, where where epic songs came to flourish together. It's this one. And that isn't in and of itself a reason why to have it number one, but it's kind of the strong theme as to why it, it, it would be. So I'm kind of hedging my bets there. Every guitar riff in this song is awesome. The main chorus riff is huge. The verse riff playing off the notes within that main chord voicing and dancing around the melody. Love that. The bridge to chorus riff, such a lovely, simple sounding, but kind of a pain in the ass to play progression down the neck. It sets you up nicely for the pre-chorus. It's just everything is great. As the second verse starts, this there's this piano card strike in the left channel that it's both out of nowhere, but also perfect for the moment at the same time. It's awesome. It continues throughout the verse as it follows along the, the verse riff, and then you got this acoustic guitar doubling up on the riff before the pre-chorus the second time around. It's like these little changes, additions that really amaze me because they can seem pedestrian when you overthink it or, or listen to the song a number of times, but not to me. And I'm still in awe of how wonderfully colored this song is. It's really, really easy as a songwriter to kind of get stuck and to just add a guitar effect, a pedal to change things up from verse one to verse two, because you don't really want to write a new riff. But it's like, do I want to like, what do I do here? I just throw on some chorus or delay or whatever the fuck. We're all many guitar players are guilty of that, you know. But instead, they change the instrumentation. They throw in, they throw in the the, the piano, they throw in the acoustic guitar. Sometimes they'll throw in like a mandolin or some shit. This is this is this is the thinking that goes beyond just writing a generic pop song that we hear too too much of from other bands. And back to the pre-chorus riff, man, things get heavier even though the guitars still have a lot of air to them. It sounds like a couple of Telecasters to me, maybe a Junior, something like that. And then the chorus, obviously soaring, absolutely. The perfect amount of reverb on Ned's vocals. And as for the lyrics, I mean, a song about escaping to, to, to calm or define oneself is always something I can get behind. And I can relate to the idea of feeling overwhelmed and needing space to collect myself. And there's no shame in that, but it takes some balls, especially 23 years ago when that wasn't so uh, socially acceptable to do so, to admit that. Um, I can appreciate that. And I think we agreed that Corduroy is probably their best mid-tempo song. I think the, so, yeah. How far off is this one? Is what I want to say because it's 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 massive. You know what? The, the sheer argument of there's a member of the band that genuinely reflects back and doesn't understand why this song wasn't released as a <laughs> single pretty much defines it as, as arguably the, the best deep cut. Uh, so... I, I support your selection. Well, thank you. <laughs> I think it's a fine one. Um, 
I don't know why I, I struggle seeing it as a deep cut, but the reality is it wasn't a single and it's not like it was, it's, it's in heavy rotation when they, they play live. So it's it really not, I mean, does qualify. 91 times, Paul, last time it was played. Yeah, it's almost too good to, to for a, for me to wrap my head around it as a deep <laughs> cut. So a, a, actually a trust. A, a, a fun um, coda here, or a footnote, I should say. The last time it was played, I saw it. Seattle. 2018 oh wow yeah okay. so how about that all right guys what do you think do you agree are you yelling into your headphones or into your your car's dashboard what what say you let us know what you think what are your top five favorite deep cuts from this era no code to riot act get on facebook get on instagram let us know and i, I look forward to arguing with you and telling you why you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get to our lyric of the week Paul, keeping in theme with deep cuts, we're going to go to Binaural with our Lyric of the Week and Breakerfall. Paul, we've taken here the first the first chunk, the first section of Breaker Fall. I, I mentioned how much I love it. Give me give me a taste. What do you think of these lyrics? Well, well first of all, I, I think it can't go understated how this set of lyrics opens the album. Mm-hmm. There's a conscious choice to say, hey, this is track number one, and the first words you're going to hear spoken are, there's a girl on a ledge. She's got nowhere to turn because all the love she had was just wood that she burned. I mean, what? For, I mean, it's. <laughs> I love those those words. They're so good. Yeah, it, it's some of. It really is outstanding. Um, now her life is on fire. It's no one's concern. She can blame the world or or pray till dawn. And you know, it's funny. Some folks will interpret as P R A Y pray. Or is it P R E Y pray? Because I've seen how it both ways. Yeah. So have I. So so how how you interpret it is really going to change the um, the interpretation, I think, of the song. And it, it, the growl, just that the way that song gets introduced on the album, it just it comes at you fast. It comes at you f- with fury. I love that you're, and, you're uh, flipping through your, your liner notes here. I, oh, I am. I am and, and I'll tell you why. I'm holding the liner notes right now, right? And so Eddie wrote it as P-R-E-Y, pray. Okay. So I, now again, though, is she she praying on others or is the song saying that she is the prey until dawn? Meaning that it's just this never ending cycle. Is it a verb or a noun? Right. And so it, it, on the surface, these lyrics don't sound that complicated. And yet he somehow managed to weave enough ambiguity in here to add an extra layer of profound reflection on the part of the listener that demands re-listening. And to quote Mark Twain, a classic is a a tome, a story, a book that demands rereading. Well, so is a song. And this to me is a song that, that I can never get enough of, you know, I'll never, this this is a call out to Stip, by the way, 
Yeah. I don't, I don't know if he's, if he's listening to, to this one, but I'll never forget his review of binaural and how and step correct me. I'm sure he will justifiably. So if I'm misinterpreting or misremembering this, I could have sworn that he felt that breaker fall was better suited as a B side on the album, that it just <gasps> didn't fit Clutch the I know, with, the, <laughs> with, with the rest of the record. And, uh, I could not, understand that at the time because it to me it just fit beautifully and i loved the fact that the album opens with this yeah um but his argument was sound i, I don't want to undermine or, or uh n- neglect to give his argument its due because it i understood his argument did not say i necessarily agreed with it but it was very well constructed like he had a a salient point to make to to uh to defend the position uh, the counterpoint though is that for an album like Binaural, with the experimentation of sound, an album that I think was 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 very much rooted in um, kind of just the, this this alienation and this frustration and, and just being lost, I continue to find this song to to do a wonderful job of crafting a character. This this girl who who to me in in so many ways, you know, you look at the cover, and, and to me it's it's. There's so much symbolism in the cover. To me, this is the girl staring up at, at, at the stars. This is the girl mm. that, that's kind of lost in space. And, and uh, I just think that it, it's, it's a very underrated track. And these lyrics to me, I, I'm not going to make any deep connections to um, you know, current events or anything like that, like I, I oftentimes do. I think we could just take these lyrics at face value and just appreciate them for what they are. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I love this song. I spoke about the music a lot, but the lyrics are really very interesting because of how Ch- Ed chose to speak about a, a pretty common subject. I mean, you you, you got us halfway there, I think. It, it, in Ed's song, Through and Through, and it really explains what the power of love is about as, succinct, as yeah. succinctly as he ever has while adding the layers in that um, succinctness. Is that a word? Succinctness? Succinctness. There you go. There you go. Yeah. The idea of someone, a girl in this case, being hurt over and over again to the point that she's now so bitter and angry and resentful and untrusting of the concept of love or that she's worthy of love, that's not uncommon. And simply that the concept of love is what will save her in the end, it seems counterintuitive, but it's true. And you have to have been hurt to appreciate It's the double-edged sword, right? Exactly. What it can truly be to you. Most of us have been here. I feel like we've, we've been burned. And so we want to all burn it all down. If we're going to feel like shit, we should make others feel like us. Humanity can be very vengeful. We know this. And hell, I mean, it's, it's even worse when we're the ones ruining the relationship, when we're the ones burning the wood. Self-sabotage, even if we didn't mean to. I mean, cl- clearly we need to fix ourselves. But when, we're, when, you're, when you're in it, you don't realize that you're the problem. And these right. are all learning experiences. And even if they're not being learned consciously, they're still learning experiences. And in, in time, we'll recognize it, but perhaps it requires a spark. And I think Ed is saying that love is the key to stopping, to stop the free will, uh, the free fall into the pity party, the despair, depression, acceptance that you're simply a broken person. To be loved is to be accepted. And sometimes only then do we truly see ourselves in a 360 view because someone has given us the confidence to actually look. And if they love us with those flaws, then perhaps those flaws were more magnified in their own heads than actualized. So the idea of her burning all this wood that she had, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Take a step back. You may not have caused all this in reality. It may all be in your head, or you may really have done it. 
But at the end of the day, the only way you're going to get back around again and get off that ledge is the thing that prompted you to burn all the wood in the first place. <laughs> and it's, it's a weird, it's a motherfuck. It's a real, it's a, it's a real, um, for lack of a better f- phrase, mind fuck the concept of love and how a double-edged sword it can be. But to do this all in two, two and a half minutes with the layers that he did, you know, with the pray, pray thing, for example, that's God damn it, Ed. Knock the knock the ball out of the park. This one. Speaking of knocking the ball out of the park, how are those giants doing? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's it's happening right now. Okay. But when we wrap up, I will go sit down okay. and either jump with elation okay. or cry myself to sleep. I don't Should know. I It'll be score? one of the two. Okay. I, I won't check the score. Let's just get straight into our live cut of the week, shall we? Yeah. Ready. Live cut of the week, break or fall, binaural tour. Where are we going? Well, we're, we're going to stay in October. I tell you that much. Mm. Uh, but but we're going back a few years, my friend. We're going to Houston, and we're going to Houston in the year two thousand. In the year two thousand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, October fourteenth, I believe. Yeah, October fourteenth, two thousand, Houston, Texas. That's where we're headed. there in the beginning 
that Ed scream, holy Jesus, he is, when you hear that, you know he is bringing the goods tonight at the Woodlands. And, he, and he's still singing well after that part, which I don't know that he could really do so much anymore. But in 2000, he could. This version, it sounds like it was shot out of a cannon. It does. And that's what I loved <laughs> about it. There's, there's a, there is a, um, an intensity to this song that I think the album forecasts. It doesn't truly capture. This is one of those songs where because of the vocal effects at the beginning and the binaural recording effects, it, you almost have to hear it live to appreciate its fury. And this performance to me captured that perfectly. Uh, it's not the first time it was played or anything like that, but th there's something that stands out to me about the way they played this song uh, in the woodlands in Texas that day. Uh, Mike Solo, incredible. Ed screaming his heart out. Matt and Jeff are totally insane, ganking everyone in the crowd with them. It's just, I'm just sad it had to end. I, I was grooving at the end there. I'm well, like, oh, you know what? You ended. know what song it comes after, right? The opener was Long Road. Yes, I remember. What a it was beautiful second. pairing these two are. Like Long Road is an opener, and yeah. then boom with Breaker Fall. I mean, what a, it's it's it really is. It's a strong second track, which is interesting to me that it opens the album. Uh, because it, you really appreciate it even more when you when you hear it coming after a song like yeah. Long Road. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, and I I I think the uh the Woodlands, those two shows down there in Houston were were I think very well rated at the time. And I think some of us may have forgotten about those since it's 21 years later. Go back. I know the audio quality isn't as beautiful as, as it got over the years, um, but there are a lot of gems in the 2000 tour. So mm -hmm. go back and check that one out, especially for this version of Breaker Fall. There you go, guys. That's the episode. Um, again, Please get on your social media accounts. Give us a follow. Give us a conversation. We'd love to chat with you guys as we proved in person to some of you in Dana Point, California, just a couple of weekends ago or a weekend ago. I, I can't tell what time it is. The time is a flat circle. Who knows? And uh, <laughs> you know what? Come back next week and we'll find out if Paul's Giants are in the NLCS or if he's a crying boy on the golf course. <laughs> can't say anything. It, uh, yeah. All the love that I... I had it was just wood that I burned. Huh? Mm. We'll see. <laughs> may the wood be do me the Dodgers. Just for yeah. You. Well, yeah. We shall see. We <laughs> shall see. Well, until next time, kids. You've been listening to the state of love and trust. Yeah.